welcome to the Colby Daniels Podcast, presented by Artisan Botanicals in Midwest City. Check out their line of natural medicine products, including Kratom, CBD, and the new Delta 8 capsules. When you visit the website, abotanicalcompany.com, use the discount code Colby Show, C-O-L-B-Y-S-H-O-W, discount code Colby Show, to save 15% off your online order. Again, abotanicalcompany.com. If you're unfamiliar with these products, don't hesitate to give them a call and ask questions, 405-458-9699. They're very genuine people, and they genuine, genuinely want to help people live a better life. So uh, don't be afraid to reach out and ask questions about anything you may be concerned about or, or just to educate yourself on these products. So, again, discount code Colby Show at checkout, abotanicalcompany.com. All right, just jumping straight into our conversation today, our weekly Tuesday guest, Eric G. Eric G., what's going on on this uh Cold ass Tuesday morning. I woke up with a chill. Um, it, did it feel this weekend? Did it feel like when you stepped outside on Sunday that it was actual playoff football weather here in Oklahoma? There was moisture in the air. You could feel it on your skin. It was just cold enough to make you feel alive. It's like, yeah, this is a day I could be out in the stands with a bottle of Jack Daniels watching football. And luckily for us, not living in Green Bay or Kansas City, we got to go inside and sit by the fireplace and, w- and watch some really good football games. No doubt. Uh, this weekend, or at least one really good football game and one that was okay okay for a little bit. But it just it felt, it totally felt like football weather this weekend. And I hope on Super Bowl Sunday, which is a week from this Sunday, it's that, it's that same kind of feel like you get up and you're excited about watching the football game, because to be quite honest, when you look at the NFL ratings, which are taking a hit this year, I'm beginning to wonder if we haven't been cooped up inside for too long and not gotten to do our normal routine, if people are kind of burned out on watching anything on TV, even if it is sports. And what should be the highest rated Super Bowl ever because you think everyone would be at home. You get this really intriguing made for TV matchup with Tom Brady, the greatest of all time versus Pat Mahomes, the young guy coming up that all eyes ought to be on it. But it just has the feeling that there's a lot of people that would give anything, even on Super Bowl Sunday to go out and have somewhat of a normal life. Like, even if it was just going to the grocery store without having to wear a mask, without having to social distance, without having to worry about getting sick, be able to go to work the next day and talk about this with your friends, which that's one thing we're losing in sports. Think about that for a second. We have lost the ability to just go to work, gather around the coffee machine or the water cooler and talk about games. That doesn't exist anymore. Not, not for the time being, and in, in some respects, I think it's made people less likely to watch games. Plus, there's been a whole lot going on in this world that's kind of taken our attention away from it, but maybe it rebounds. Uh, but I get the feeling that this is probably going to be one of the lower-rated Super Bowls in the last five years when it should be maybe the most watched. 
Yeah, I, I, I mean, I, I certainly miss just going and sitting at a bar with my buddies, right? And, and everybody's just kind of sitting yeah. there, like, drinking their beers and, and just, you know, talking shit about whatever the topic is or, uh, you know, like, who's the greatest quarterback of all time? I'm sure that would be the, the thing this week where it's like, you know, is it Brady? Is it somebody else? Is it is, is Mahomes uh, on track to be able to get there? Yeah, I'm, I'm totally with you. I think, I think that some of the interest in sports is lost because of that dynamic. And, and then, look, as far as the, the ratings thing, I, I don't think it's an NFL thing as much as what you talked about. I think it's, it's across the board. Ratings have been down for everything. And, and I always I get kind of amused when you have these national guys that are, like, pointing toward different things and saying, well, this is why the ratings are down because these guys are doing this. Well, ratings are down across the board. Everybody is, is suffering through this. Yeah. And the NBA was, well, players are kneeling. They're not respecting the military. They're not respecting America. Well, whatever. Um, you're at home. And what you find out about sports is that if you have no emotional attachment to what is going on, if you're not interested in it, sometimes it's hard to watch. And that's the thing about sports is what, pe- what people have to realize, especially people that cover it, is the fans have to be emotionally attached to who's ever playing, or there has to usually be a good enough storyline to get the casual person to come to the television. Now, diehard NBA fan, the diehard NFL fan that just loves the sport itself and the intricacies of it and wants to dissect play calling and numbers and everything else, they're watching anyway. But that casual fan, you've got to work a little harder to get and with there being so many entertainment options out there right now, um, with all the streaming services, with, you know, if you have cable, you've got a million channels to watch. It's not something that, that you feel, you know, if you feel like you can live without it, and we're talking about that dynamic of not being able to go back and forth with your friends, then yeah, I don't know, catching up on Ozark might actually be, a, a better option on Super Bowl Sunday than watching Tom Brady and Pat Mahomes. It isn't, it isn't, but people may, but people may feel that way. And I can't blame them if they feel that way. First of all, There's who, who the hell it. was, who the hell's let Ozark sit in their queue this long? Come on. I have, I'm just now catching up. Oh, I am just Eric, now, Eric, what are you I doing, am almost man? Now to be it. I am almost now to the end of season two. Because <laughs> while I life got in the way, I was driving ninety minutes back and forth and also trying to cover the thunder. There were all these things that, that came up. Um, but I will I'm lucky enough that I'm a guy that somehow I avoid spoilers. Yeah. Like if I just see like anything written about a show that I've got in my queue on the internet, I just I avoid it. And it's really easy to do that. It really is. I don't know why people complain about spoiler alerts. Just don't click on the story. And usually a tweet or a Facebook post, and thank you for everybody that posted about The Mandalorian Season 2. Thank you for being vague enough in your post that I really didn't know what the payoff was at the end of the year. I just knew people were emotional, and somehow Mark Hamill was involved. And I didn't know if he directed (laughs) or Luke Skywalker showed up. And it was like, oh, wow, this is really cool. Nothing was spoiled for me. You can avoid spoilers. But, yeah, I'll say this much about Ozark. They do almost as good a job as the Sopranos of taking a left turn. And you're like, wait a second. How how did that happen? Where did, did, did this? I mean, it's 
some brilliant writing on their part. There, there's enough things that have come out of the blue in like the last two episodes that I've watched. I'm like, no, I didn't see that. Didn't see that happening, but it's, it's been definitely worth the ride. And I'm hopefully this weekend. Yeah. Cause we were fixing up stuff around the house. I can actually finish up that and get a good way through, through season three, but it's been a, it's been fun to watch so far. Yeah. It's uh it's really good show. Um, we'll, we'll have to talk about it when you finish and, and get all caught up, but <laughs> Um, you know, talking about sports, I wonder how much the the average sports fan missed it and then got oversaturated with it for those those months when everything came back. Because we had, I mean, there was, you know, I talked about it on the podcast at one point. There was a single day where I watched like football, basketball, baseball, hockey. There was a golf major, I think, on at that time. There was, you know, like literally everything happening all simultaneously. I, I think the oversaturation has part to do with it, but also when you're forced into that situation, like you talk about September, the NBA playoffs were going, college football, the NFL were starting up. You were, let me see, you were a couple of months away from the Masters, and I can't remember uh, which would it have been, would it have been the U.S. Open that was, that was played in September? I think so. I think it was, wasn't it? So you're, and yeah, you're right. The NHL playoffs were going on at the same time. The Stanley Cup finals were going on at the same time. So you were forced to choose. And you're not, there, first of all, there's no way you can watch it all. Try. Just, just try and watch it all. You can't. Eventually you're going to fall asleep. But you're choose, you're forced to choose what you're, you're most passionate about. And that was kind of the mess that sports was in this year. And I would have to think that the NBA and especially the NHL, and you talk about Major League Baseball, all kind of felt like they were put on the sidelines having to compete with football. And you would think that, especially for the NBA, and Mark Cuban said this, Mark, Mark Cuban said this in August, is that the NBA, because of this forced stoppage that they had through through nobody's fault except you know except Rudy Gobert's um <laughs> should have at least looked should have at least looked at pushing the start of the season back to back to December and start it right around Christmas if not on Christmas day and then go late into the summer where you were finishing up right before football started so you were doing everything you could really to stay out of the NFL way, NFL's way and get as many eyes on your product as possible. And there's no doubt that if they were competing with Major League Baseball, the NBA is winning that battle now. The NBA is always going to win over the NHL. It was one of the smartest things Mark Cuban has ever said. I just, I don't, for whatever reason, you can't get owners to buy into it. They're, they're very set, and let's start in October, let's finish in July. And he even talked about taking a break for the Olympics. You could build in a break for the Olympics in Olympic years, and you could do the draft and free agency, agency in September, which I liked because while college football and the NFL were starting at that time, usually the NBA, the movement enough through free agencies enough to capture people, people's attention. That's how you take a little bit away from the NFL and college football at that time. It's not going to be with games. It's not going to be with competition. 
It's going to be news and the drama that everybody feeds off of. And just hopefully, because they were forced to start late this year, Adam Silver and everybody can get on the same page and go with that model. That it'll happen, but it's something that certainly needs to be talked about and explored over these next few months with the Players Association and with the owners. And I don't see why you wouldn't want to do it that way. You've got a great product, but nothing is going to beat football. And when you're a sport that is every day or every other day, you need to have less distractions. I, I need to feel like it's my only option to watch the Bucks play the Nets that night. I don't need to feel like on a Sunday night, okay, yeah, I get the Bucks and the Nets, but I'm a bigger football fan. And on Sunday night football, I've got the Packers and the Bears playing. So I'm just going to go over to football because it's easy to watch and it's once a week. Yeah, it's once a week, and the games have so much more weight, right? Like, if there's a right. if there's a Warriors-Bucks game on Saturday, and I don't catch it, it's like, oh, well, I probably have 60 more opportunities to watch each of those teams. So it's, you know, in the grand scheme of things, you have so many chances to watch NBA teams. And then as far as what the game means, like, yeah, you know, we're all entertained by the great athletes, but if the Warriors beat the Bucks last night, like... Is it, does anybody have some grand takeaway from it? Does that carry any weight as far as anything happening the next day or the next week or six months from now? Uh, yeah, the NBA is, look, when they did the bubble, I was all about it. I watched all the games. I watched all the playoff games. And I know there was some carryover with the football season. And that didn't really take away from my interest. But this part of the year, I, I have zero interest in watching the NBA versus any football game that's on television. And, and maybe they weren't gone long enough for me to miss basketball. But, you know, I, I would say this in a normal year, I, I don't get into basketball until football is over. So, yeah, I think it's a it's a tough position to be in if you're the NBA. And I, I don't know what the answer would have been. But like I said, I, I enjoyed the bubble. I enjoyed the playoffs in the bubble. And I watched all of that, you know, despite everything else happening. So maybe, you know, maybe if if games are important, I'm watching anyway. But, you know, at this time of the year, NBA games aren't important, and it, it's way down on my, my must-watch list. For us NBA geeks, yeah, there's always going to be a takeaway from that game. Um, how much did the Bucks use their bench? Are we starting to see certain guys get more playing time? Do the Warriors have a guy that is contributing now that wasn't contributing before? Are... You know, is Steph hurt? If Steph's hurt, is he a guy that you can, if you sit him out, can they can they win without him? Have they shown they can consistently win without him? One game, I mean, you're not going to be, you'll be able to derive some from one game, but you're also, if you're an NBA fan, you're, you're kind of looking at, at things like in increments of three to six, three to five. You know what? What you're 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 trying to follow the trends uh, as far as what certain teams are doing. How did the Thunder play? While while Al Horford has been on the sabbatical with his wife, who just had their fourth kid, how was Isaiah Roby? Yeah. So I mean, if you're into it, those you're gonna you're gonna feed off that. I mean, that that's, yeah. yeah, you're gonna be really into it. But if you're if you're Colby Daniels, it, it's one game. And where Kobe Daniels is really smart about this is he knows that one game doesn't decide who's in the playoffs. Well, actually, it can um, when it gets into percentage points. But you know that when the playoffs roll around, 
rotations and rosters are going to look different and there can be trades. So, yeah, if I am watching this one game between the Bucks and the Warriors and it is entertaining, you're thinking at it from a mo- you're thinking at it from a point of okay, what is this telling me about these two teams going into the playoffs? And in your thought, your thought process, it might not tell you a whole lot. Whereas if I've watched five Bucks games, I'm going to have a better feeling of what it might be able to tell me and where they can make trades and all and all this kind of stuff. So it's it baseball hockey. There's sports to really, I think to really feel like you're getting a lot out of it, you have to dive head in. Yeah. And you That's have fair. to be willing to follow it for, for 82 games a year. But the beauty of it is, if you don't want to do that, if you don't want to, the playoffs are everything. And yeah. you don't have to, especially if you're doing our jobs, if you're doing our job, you don't have to watch a playoff series. And then it, something click about, oh, remember back in March when this happened? No, you can just dissect that game there, analyze that game, and you're, and you're fine. Right. So it's, that's kind of the beauty of that. So it's kind of the beauty of basketball all the way around, like with college basketball. Um, the way you feel about the NBA, I feel that way with college basketball. And I know OUB Kansas on, on Saturday, but it's like, okay. Yeah. So when's the, when's the NCAA tournament and are they going to make a run? Yeah. And I'm I'm actually worse with college basketball than I am with the NBA, but every NBA player I've ever talked to basically has told me the same thing. The first 20 games, like throw them out the window. He's like, or he, I say he, every single NBA player that I've ever talked to about this has, has, has put it kind of in a 20 to 25 game window and they've all said anything that happens in that stretch, like there, there are no takeaways. You're trying things that you wouldn't normally try. You're, you're putting some guys in some positions that you probably normally wouldn't. It's a, it's a trial and error period for the NBA season because you yeah. still know that you have such a long period of time to, if, if things aren't on track, to get things on track. Um, you know, regardless of what the scenario is, there's just nothing. I, I You know, it's all smoke and mirrors, so to speak. So that's... Um, I've just been told that so many times. It's so hard for me to get really excited about, you know, rotations or anything this time of year. Oh, it is. And there are going to be guys that, I mean, like you said, especially in that early 20 game window, guys that you know, they're going to see a few minutes on the floor and in a normal year would be down with the G League. Yeah. Um, it's like, okay, so yeah, that's, you know, you see these guys and you, and you wonder where they went and they become punchlines more than anything else. Yeah. But, uh, unlike college, I mean, unlike college basketball, doesn't feel like college basketball really is. Everybody's just got a one game season. Yeah, you make it to March, and then it's just a one game season. Yeah. That's terrible. You got you got to change. There there needs to be a change to college basketball. Problem is when you're making billions off that NCAA tournament, and it's so driven by gambling. There's there's not a lot of reason to change financially. It just it stays the way it stays the way it is because people have grown to accept it and for whatever reason coaches are willing to give into it so yeah it's just a one game season so OU beats Kansas that's great if OU's a four seed in the NCAA tournament and gets bounced in the first round I really don't care that they beat Kansas in January right because now right. I'm calling for someone's now I'm calling for someone's head oh they won 25 games who cares lost in the first round of the NCAA tournament Juan Kruger needs to go 
Yeah, and that's that's exactly the way people look at it. And and the other problem is the product isn't good enough to even I think get no. really excited. I mean, you know, at least with the NBA, for as little as these games may mean in the grand scheme of things, um, you know, playoff teams are playoff teams, and and uh, certainly you know there might be a, a race for the eight seed or you know positioning, but generally we kind of have a pretty good idea as to you know who the good teams are and who the bad teams are in the NBA. Uh, in, in college basketball, like, again, there are so many people that, that make the field. Um, and, yeah, it's it's just – it's a it's a one-game playoff, and if you win a game or win two games or win three games, like, obviously that's great for head coaches' contracts and all that, but the product throughout the regular season isn't even, like, jaw-dropping. It's not like you have just great basketball no. being played on a nightly basis. Like, it's – dude, there are, it's tough for me to watch college basketball and, and – you know, the Big 12 might be the best conference in the country. In fact, I would say it is the best conference in the country. But even in those years where it's not the best conference, I pay attention to it because it's, you know, it's what we do and there's local interest. But try watching like an Oregon State, Arizona State game on a on a Tuesday night. Like, yuck. Nothing about that is appealing. Yeah, no, Whereas you. like, I'll watch an Oregon State, Arizona State football game. Uh, but it's just, oh, it's so bad. There was a, like last night, I think there was a, who was it? Syracuse and maybe like Boston college or something. And it was on my television for like five minutes. And I was like, this is so bad. It's just, I, I, I don't think I, I saw a shot made. It's, it's slow. And, and how often, I mean, how often when you watch college basketball, do you get the sense that, all right, teams are here. Here is here is what I have boiled down the categories of teams to. One, you're either Kentucky, Kansas, or Duke, where you've got like four to five guys who are legitimate NBA players who are going to be there for a year, right? And you you can be fun to watch. Now they're usually freshmen, and it usually takes them a a, a quarter to half the year to really gel and look like a team. Then you've got teams like Oklahoma State where you've got one guy, one really good guy in Cade Cunningham and a bunch of dudes around him, a bunch of guys around him that are, they're okay. I mean, they're, 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 they're better than your average player <laughs> from high school. They're going to be in college scholarships, but you know they're not going to be next-level NBA players. And then you've got teams like Oklahoma who – you have got maybe three or four good guys, but they're not really superstars. So there's just this real uneven distribution of talent. The, the, the really good guys are only going to be there a year. Your average guys aren't guys you really want to invest much time in watching anyway, because that's what they are. They're, they're average players. And the problem with college basketball is once you poison yourself with the NBA, you just can't go back to college right. basketball. You realize how bad it is how slow when you it watch is. it. You re- yes, and these low-scoring games, and you just don't have guys that can come off the bench like Mike Muscala did last night and get hot and, sh- and score you 23 points and, and do that regularly. I mean, it's just kind of – it's there. You've still got – I mean, you still got teams like Air Force who play the Princeton offense for crying out loud. Nobody wants to watch that. I mean, it's gotten better in the fact that if you look at a team like Oklahoma, give Long Kruger some credit. 
he's sort of adopted an NBA philosophy of where he wants positionless players. But in college basketball, it's very hard to do that because anybody that's truly positionless, truly can, you know, has a skill set that can go to the NBA, they're going to either A, end up at any of those aforementioned schools, or B, they're going to go to the G League or Europe and make money. So you do get stuck recruiting maybe a kid like, all right, so you maybe get a kid like Brady Manick who's positionless. But if you recruit a six, seven kid normally in college basketball, that kid is, he's a Ford. I mean, and usually he doesn't have ball handling skills or he doesn't, you know, he doesn't possess, he's not a great passer. He, yeah. he might be a good shooter. He may be good on defense. He may be a good rebounder, but he doesn't possess the other things that you're seeing a guy like Darius Baisley have now. Right. Where it's like, oh, this guy can bring the ball up the floor. He can run the offense. He can rebound. He can shoot. He can, I mean, he can do everything. You just don't have enough of those guys in college basketball to really make it worth the investment. But what I think is interesting, you know, you're talking about watching a college football game. And you and I, look, you and I are college football fans. Oklahoma is a college football state. We're all more likely to watch college football. Whereas when I worked out in New Mexico, and this blew my mind, because I never really was that big a college basketball fan outside the Big 8, Big 12. But those people there liked college basketball enough, they would watch random college basketball games that had nothing to do with New Mexico. And that blew my mind. I'm like, really? Well, they also like, made the decision just... to live in New Mexico, so shame on them. Yeah, that's, that's true. That's true. I have family in New but Mexico, so I, mean, I, I, you know, I feel like I can say that, but yeah. So, so do, I mean, <laughs> I kind of wonder, do Kansas and Duke fans do the same thing? Do they watch random college basketball games? And if so, it's like, why? <laughs> it's a good question. Are you you're really fooled into thinking this is good? I mean, you, you do live in North Carolina. The Hornets are just down the road. I mean, that's... Yeah. It's tough, man. You don't have it's... to watch the ACC game of the week. <laughs> oh, yuck. Yuck, yuck, yuck. It's it's not good. And look, at least at least like we're in conference play now. So the Big 12 teams, you know, obviously like on almost every night have really good competition. So at least from that standpoint, um, what we have in this region is is considerably better than most places. But yeah, it's it's a tough product to swallow, I think, regularly. Yeah, it is. Well, yeah, it is. And as much and college basketball has really hurt itself, one with making the tournament. The only thing that a lot of people care about, I mean, that that really is, I would think the majority of the country, that's like the only time they watch college basketball tournament. Two, what you really heard it, conference expansion told you all you needed to know about the importance of college basketball, which is non-existent. Right. Nobody was being asked to join conferences or leave their, their current conference because of what they did basketball-wise. They didn't care. The networks didn't care. So what? You've got a good basketball team. No, football drives everything. And I, for guys like Mike Krzyzewski, I mean, especially for Bill Self, who's very vocal to it, it was a shock to their system to realize how much their sport didn't matter. It was a shock to the ego of fans of Duke and you know New Mexico or Arizona or whatever to learn, oh, our sport doesn't matter. And just because we get... 16,000 into a basketball arena, no one's going to elevate us to a 
to a power five conference where we can make more money because outside of us, no one cares. You've got to put money into football and for athletic directors who already knew that the light really went off. And I think for them, for athletic directors, the good thing about it is it made it easier to sell the fans and sell to the people around campus where, okay, yes, I get it. Basketball has been our sport for years. This has been the sport we've been best at. But if we really want to move up in the world, money I would normally give to that, I've got to give to football. I just have to. We have to get better at football. It has to be where all our concentration is. And if anything, I I don't know that college basketball, college basketball is never going to recover from that. And I honestly believe that we're seeing about I don't think it gets any better than what it is now. In fact, I think it gets worse because I don't think you're ever going to see a day where also the NBA decides, well, you've got to stay three years before you come out. That's right. That's not going to, yeah, that's not going to happen. So, I mean, in order to love it, you've got to either feel emotionally attached to that school you root for, or you just got to like really bad basketball. But, uh, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I mean, either e- either way, I I think we've seen it. I think we've you're seeing it. It's as good as it's ever going to be right now for for the foreseeable future. Um, you're you're not going back to the '80s where you had UNLV and Oklahoma scoring over 100 points. Those those days are so far gone that this is this is it. I mean, this is this is what you get. And if you love the sport, more power to you. But I think for the most for most of us, there's got to be something else. Well, every every year the NCAA tournament happens, and I have people tell me, like, I don't know why I don't pay more attention to college basketball. And I'm like, I do, because this isn't what you get. This isn't what you get in the regular season. Like, it's a completely different product. In fact, I would go as far as to say, I don't know that there is a bigger gap in any other sports regular season from their postseason than there is with college basketball. Like, it is completely different from regular season to postseason play. Like it's, it's, it's not, it, it doesn't even feel like it's the same thing to be honest. So no. And, and really, I mean, think about it. I mean, Kobe, if you only wanted to watch college basketball in March and let's say you were feeling guilty about not watching through the rest of the year, you could just watch the conference tournaments Yeah, because those are intense. Yeah. Those are fun. And then that carries over into the NCAA tournament, but you're right. That's not what you get throughout the year and even in the even in the in the conference tournaments i mean first of all the regular season doesn't matter in college basketball because a, a team that could have a really good season and if they get eliminated early in their conference tournament they're not making the ncaa tournament so all you really have to do is watch that conference tournament and you can see a sub 500 team make a run and that's good. It's entertaining. It, it, it brings a great story. It's not the best thing for the sport, but when you've reduced your sport to that, then yeah, that, that's all. That's the that's the only time I'm really going to invest is that is that month. Give me reasons to watch besides that month. Yeah, give me reasons. Yeah, it's tough. Uh, all right, let's let's uh, talk a little bit about uh, the goat, Tom Brady. You are a Patriots fan for for those that uh, may be unaware of that for some reason, but I, I just I had to know like how how were you feeling watching Tom Brady on Sunday at the end of that thing get ready to play in another Super Bowl, but this time not wearing the Patriot colors. It's like watching your ex wife get married to a really great guy. <laughs> 
you harbor no ill will, but you wonder why you couldn't hold on to her and why she couldn't be happy with you. And why does she seem to be smiling a hell of a lot more now than she did over the last three years? That, that, that's how you feel watching it. It's like, okay, so she's going to be happy. She's going to be well taken care of. It's going to be good. Why is that not with me? What did I do? How did I screw it up? How, how, how am I not in this position? right now that that's that's what it feels like um and right now in the short term it's a big referendum on bill belichick because the one thing bill belichick has not done a good job of is managing the patriots roster you've seen it deteriorate especially especially in the skill positions running back receiver um Offensive line has also deteriorated over the last few years. So not only is it a referendum on him on not being able to manage the roster, it also paints you a real big picture of how good Tom Brady is because through that roster being banged up and having subpar players around him, he was still able to elevate them enough to not only win division championships, but conference championships and and, and get you in contention for the Super Bowl every year. So if there's any question about Tom Brady being able to raise the level of of play around him, that should be off the books now. And and for as good as the Buccaneers were, they weren't, and that's a dynamic offense. I mean, now granted, let's face it, they did add Leonard Fournette in the offseason. He wasn't there last year. But those receivers were, and and Rob Gronkowski's had a great year. But the tight ends that they they had before him are are better than Rob Gronkowski. But it just goes to show you how much of a difference he was able to come in and make. And you just wonder if they didn't have Jameis Winston, if they had a decent quarterback, how much better could they have been than what they were? But it just for, for Tom Brady right now, any question about what he is able to do with the parts around him or any offense, all that should be should be wiped away right now. Um, greatest ever played the game, not athletically. Certainly he, he wasn't as athletic, athletic as Favre or, or Steve Young or Roger Stallback or any of those guys, but the just the years of success are, are so hard to argue against when you're when you're having that conversation that, that, that I think for Tom Brady right now, this solidifies his place in NFL history. And if he's not the greatest quarterback to ever play the game, you're starting to split hairs as far as who's better with him and why. And are you taking someone simply because they're more athletic or they have better arm strength? Because winner, leader, understanding offense, being able to read defense, being able to break things down, Tom Brady is is certainly the best in that category with all due respect to Peyton Manning. Well, and, and I think the one thing about Tom Brady is he he just he he has this ability, I think, to not only be a great leader, but to make the guys around him believe that they're the best and that they're going to get it done. Right? It's like there's there's certain auras about people that I think like if you're attached to them, you just believe you're bulletproof. And I think Tom Brady has that where like he goes to Tampa, and you know you, you mentioned it a lot. There's a lot of players on that roster that were there a year ago, but now they have Tom Brady, and they just believe like, hey. 
we have the greatest quarterback in NFL history. We can get this done. And they're in a Super Bowl. Like, they're not in a Super Bowl because Tom Brady just went nuts the last two games and, and was outstanding for four quarters and, you know, made all these great game-winning plays. There, you know, a lot of it had to do with the defense on Sunday. Like, Tom Brady throws three interceptions in the second half, and the defense on two of those gets three and outs. They, sh- they stop Green Bay with the help of the head coach in the red zone. And, uh, you know, they, they punch their ticket to the Super Bowl. The Saints, you know, decide to stick with Drew Brees a week ago. And, and uh, you know, that, that had nothing to do with Tom Brady. But, like, I, I think the guys around him just believe having him on their side is the difference maker. And, uh, you know, I, it's hard to argue with that. And, and you mentioned the roster turnover in New England. I mean, how many different guys, key positions did they have changed throughout Tom Brady's time there? And, and it was like they never skipped a beat. No, I mean, you could lose a guy like Wes Welker, bring in Julian Edelman and Danny Amendola. And, and while we could sit here and argue all day whether or not Edelman was better than Welker, you can't make that same argument with Danny Amendola. And they were they were just as good. The running back was a, was a revolving door ever since Corey Dillon. I mean, they went with guys like Lawrence Maroney for crying out loud. Went undefeated with a guy like him playing yeah. running back. The, they've had good receivers. I mean, Troy Brown comes to mind. Now, Deion Branch is really good. It was always funny. He was a guy that was very underrated, undervalued. But there were, I mean, this year, there were, or, or the last few years, there were some guys like Chris Hogan. Um, they're just guys. And yet, like you said, it, it, was, it was a seamless transition from, from one season to the next where you just knew they were going to have a say in what was going on in the Super Bowl. And, yes, while you're right, I mean, and I, you talk about some key plays in that game from Sunday with Green Bay and Tampa Bay. One of the biggest ones to me, I think it was after Tom Brady's third interception. It was after his third interception. The very next play, Jason Pierre-Paul sacks Aaron Rodgers. And right then, I kind of thought the game was over. Now, Green Bay did have a shot had Aaron Rodgers either tried to run the ball in or they tried to go for a touchdown after on that fourth down, maybe we're having a different conversation. Right. But while Tom Brady wasn't great, the thing you got with him, I mean, look, that, that third interception, I mean, he's falling back. He just eats it up, which is, which is very un-Tom Brady-like. But for, as, for all the moments he had, he also did have that pass to Miller at the end of the first half, which some people thought at that point Tampa Bay had put the nail in Green Bay's coffin. Yeah. And he makes that throw. So while there were interceptions and it wasn't certainly a flawless game, there were enough big moments that Brady provided that, you know, yeah. I don't know that they could have done with, with, with necessarily any other quarterback than you. Yeah, he look, so, he was great I, I, early. He was he was uh anybody else has that game and you know like if if it's Matt Ryan or Aaron Rodgers or you know anybody else has that game, they're going to be crucified in the media for the choke job in the second half for being that great early and then nearly giving the game away and having to be bailed out by the defense. I'm just telling that that's what the narrative would be, but Tom Brady has obviously earned uh, the right to to maybe not be be put under that sort of microscope when he doesn't play well down the stretch of a game. But like you mentioned, the the pass at the end of the first half, 
I, like, it was a great play, don't get me wrong, and credit Tom Brady for, for throwing the ball, but, like, I was so mind-blown that the defense was even in that situation given the time left and the down and distance and everything, like... Like, that that was such a defensive blunder to me that, it, I don't know, I guess I just didn't look at it as much as, like, Tom Brady, holy cow, I can't believe he did that. Whereas I was like, the defense, what the hell are you doing? Like, it's unforgivable. How do you give up a touchdown there? How does Kevin King not know what the hell he's doing with, you know, however many seconds there were left in the half? Now, now, do, now do you blame Kevin King for that, or do you blame Mike Pettin for putting Kevin King in that situation? Yes. Because yesterday, <laughs> <laughs> yesterday Pat was just destroying Kevin King. Yeah. And then, as I'm doing prep last night, People in Green Bay, the Green Bay staff, are blaming Mike Pettin for putting him in that situation. Well, both. I'm yeah. going to blame Mike Pettin. I, I got to blame Mike Pettin because you've got to know your personnel. Yeah. And if you've seen that this guy is having trouble, and uh, okay, maybe he's the best you got, but but you know he's not that. You know he's not that good, and he's susceptible to giving up big plays or getting burned. Then don't put him in that situation. Don't put him in that situation. And you're just asking for Tom Brady. You're begging Tom Brady to make a big play. That's that's what you're doing in that situation. But Brady still has to make the play. He still has to make the throw. And what I wonder with Tom Brady is, when when is he going to get tired of playing this game? When is that going to happen? Because yeah. I don't think that even if they win the Super Bowl this year, Wings fun, he's man. Not he's not tired. No, absolutely not. Yeah. Although he would I mean, be, he would be matter. immortal if he won a Super Bowl with the Bucks and then just you know went out that. I mean, it's to be the greatest story in sports history, right? Well, it would, but if you're a Bucks fan, you also feel somewhat used. It's like, oh, that's it. <laughs> like, we, okay, that's great. We got a. Super Bowl, and I didn't even really get to go see him this year. I had to watch all the games on television, and um, yeah, now he's gone, and we're we're starting over. I mean, it would just yeah. feel so. Yeah. It would that would be like the, the oddest feeling. I mean, now, had you been able to go to the games and enjoy it, and you know, you felt like it was the end of the run for some of these guys, but they got a lot of good young players. So if you're a Tampa Bay fan, you're hoping that whatever happens at the end of this game, this isn't it. That Tom Brady at least gives you another couple of seasons for it to be worth it because once he's gone, there's probably going to be a good rebuilding process. You're probably going to lose some of these players and, and see a completely different look, looking team. And with as much as that fan base has suffered, I mean, it does have one Super Bowl, with the, but with as much as it's suffered since its, since its inception, yeah, it'll, he owes you at least two or three years. Get, get another two or three years out of Tom Brady, then I think you can walk away happy. Screw Tampa. This is their second Super Bowl since the Cowboys have last been there, so I have zero sympathy for <laughs> any heartache that they've ever suffered. I'm not having any of that conversation on this podcast, Eric. <laughs> Uh, no, it's uh, oh man, it, it's coming for the Cowboys. You guys are gonna re, you guys are gonna sign back to a long term. Twenty twenty one, baby, twenty twenty one. No, <laughs> next year's the year. Yeah, it's funny because the the entire Romo era, I never believed that they were among the best teams in the NFL. I always felt like there was something missing, like they were just 
middle of the road to maybe a little bit better than middle of the road. And I feel like since Dak's first year, like my chin has been lifted and I've really felt from a roster standpoint that they've been more complete than, you know, since the nineties. And that's where the heartbreak has come. I know a lot of Cowboy fans had a lot of heartbreak in the Romo years, but I just, I don't know. My expectations were never super high in those seasons. Whereas I think the last like three or four seasons, I've really felt like the team was put together really well from a talent standpoint. And sometimes, you know, talent doesn't mesh, but uh, man, it's just brutal. It, well, this was, again, you talk about strange years. Um, you know, had Dak not gotten hurt, how much better would the Cowboys have been? It just seemed like all around they just underperformed. The defense never got on track this year. So you are replacing your your, your defensive coordinator. Um, Mike McCarthy never seemed to feel really comfortable. And, and how much of that had to do with no mini camp and, and training camp being limited? It, it almost felt like at least for half the season, they were kind of flying blind. And then you're putting in, you're put into the situation where now you've got to go with Andy Dalton as your quarterback. And, and while he worked out fine, I don't know. It felt this whole year in that whole division, it felt very piecemeal together. And I think what's astounding is when you look at Green Bay or the way Tampa Bay is playing now, or even New Orleans or the Rams and the Seahawks, I think it's amazing that, that any of those teams this year were able to be as good as they were given the set of circumstances. Kansas City, it doesn't surprise you because they're just absolutely loaded for bear. It's not just Patrick Mahomes, yeah. but they've got one of the most athletic, fastest teams in the history of the sport, and they were just coming off a Super Bowl so it felt like they didn't really miss a beat. What I expected this year out of the NFL was there to be a lot more teams like we saw in the NFC East, a lot more teams that were around 500 that that week to week never showed you any consistency. So give a lot of credit to the players and the coaches from those teams for sure for being for for being able to be consistent. The, the Cowboys, honestly. What I saw out of the Cowboys this year is what I expected to see out of more of the more of the NFL. So it's hard for me to be too critical of them because it's just like you're a brand new coaching staff with hardly any time to prepare and install anything, and you're expecting dudes to get this from Zoom meetings, and they're supposed to get together and go out and practice on high school fields. Now nah, the results yeah. pretty much are what they are, and unless Mike McCarthy had lost the team in the locker room. There wasn't any reason to get rid of him. You, you've got to give this guy a full year. And I, Colby, I mean, does he even get it this year? Are we going to have mini camp this year? There are going to be enough vaccines out there. I feel bad for Mike McCarthy because his first two seasons as Cowboy coach, he's never really got to work with his team the way that he needs to in, or, in order to be successful. I don't I feel bad for Mike I mean, McCarthy, but uh, <laughs> I. If they wanted to hire Eric Bieniemy today, I'm uh, I'll start the parade, um, or Lincoln Riley for that matter. But um, no, your point is valid. And look, there's a reason why I think you looked at the final four teams this weekend, and and they were quarterbacked by Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, uh, Aaron Rodgers, and and Tom Brady. Right? Like it was there wasn't as many surprises this year. I think for the reasons that you're explaining. Like, yeah, like the best and, quarterbacks and in the I, league were the ones leading their teams to the to the finish line. I think you know because you're probably not going to get it done in a in a different way. 
Yeah, and that's uh, well. I mean, and and for Tom Brady and his receivers, I mean, you saw how kind of how they muddled yeah, through. They struggled uh, for a decent the, portion the, of the, the year. regular season. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't until the playoffs. It's like, wait, honestly, it was kind of like watching the Miami Heat that first year with LeBron James, Dwayne Wade, and Chris Bosh. It took them an entire season to finally click. When yeah. it clicked, the playoffs hit, and they were able to make the finals. And still, I think I'm in, in some ways I'm scratching my head how they lost to Dallas in that finals. But it, that's just you, I think you're absolutely right. The more veteran, the more seasoned quarterbacks, it was easier for it was easier for them to handle. And for Dak Prescott, he probably would have fallen into that category had Mike McCarthy not been the coach and Jason Garrett still been the coach. Because at that point, you're not learning a new system. You're not having to worry about terminology or anything else. You're used to the way that things are. He probably would have had a a much easier time, at least at the beginning of the year, may may have still gotten hurt. But, I mean, if you're working with the same guy, you don't have to, to learn near as much. And I think that's part of the reason why we just didn't see Dallas be as good as they could have been. Yeah. Uh, I want to go back to Tom Brady for a second because obviously he's going to his 10th Super Bowl. It's it's just absurd to think that he's been to that many when, like, you know, Aaron Rodgers has been to one. Uh, Drew Brees has been to one. The last two guys that he's defeated uh, have been there a singular time. Um, I, I, was, I saw this thrown out over the weekend, and I wanted to get your take because you're obviously a Patriots fan. You know the history extremely well. I, 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 and I don't want this to sound like anything is is being taken away from Tom Brady's accomplishments. So let me let me just say that first because I think I think that what I'm about to say can also apply to him also being great. Like it's it one doesn't have to make the other true. But it was thrown out that Tom Brady has had an extreme amount of luck throughout this entire run to even get to the 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 you know total Super Bowl appearances and even the wins that he's been able to accumulate. Yes. <laughs> Where, where do you want okay, to start? Okay, so so you, so as a Patriots fan, you, you agree with that? You want, yeah, I mean, and you have to every, yeah. every in order to win any championship, you've got to have luck on your side. But it all started with the tuck rule. Okay, had that been ruled a, another way, Bill Belichick, the Patriots weren't as good the next season. Who knows what the talk would have been around Bill Belichick? Yeah. That, that that next year um, had, you know, had, had Tom Brady, you know, had, had that been ruled the fumble. So you start there with the tuck rule. Um, he gets hurt in the AFC championship game that next week, and Drew Bledsoe has to lead the Patriots in Pittsburgh past the Steelers. Then they go play the Rams, and Adam Vinatieri, who was really the hero in the tuck rule game, had to play hero again. Last second field goal to beat Carolina. Yeah. By the you way, Brady, Brady in that from, first Super Bowl threw for 145 yards and one touchdown. That was the stat line. 145 <laughs> so and a touch. That's crazy. Well, and then you had the you had the last second field goal to beat Carolina. Yeah. Um, almost came back the first time around yep. to beat him. You had to come back from 28 to 3 down. You had to have Malcolm Butler with 
an, an interception. Essentially, you had to have Pete Carroll decide not to give the ball to Marshawn. Right, Lynch. right. So you so, so you benefit you benefited from that. Now Malcolm Butler still had to make a play, and he did. But I don't think there's any doubt. Had you give the ball to Marshawn Lynch at that point, I don't think the Patriots were, were stopping the Seahawks. Agreed. So there are all all these really weird circumstances. You win. You win the coin toss in the AFC Championship two years ago, so, and and Mahomes never yep. gets to touch the ball. And then you know, even in that right. Super Bowl, and and like the point you of this whole thing toss. was like, yeah, you the, won the coin toss. Yeah, you won the coin toss, and then you know that that was it was a terrible Super Bowl against the Rams, in which I don't think anybody thought that Tom Brady was. The, the reason that, that the Patriots won, right? No. I mean, they held the Rams to three points. No, it was a 13-3 game. Off. Yeah, um, yeah. Jared Goff was god-awful in that game. But basically, the, the, the like premise of the whole thing was Tom Brady is great, but there are a lot of reasons and a lot of other things that happen that kind of elevate his legacy as opposed to maybe Tom Brady having, you know, made, like, these shots or, you know, whatever it is with any sport, like walk-off home runs. Like, there are a lot of things that happened that really had nothing to do with Tom Brady that insanely helped the legacy of Tom Brady. Well, I mean, go back to how he got on the field in the first place. Yeah. I, Drew Bledsoe had, I mean, Drew Bledsoe had to have a life-threatening injury. And that's not even exaggerating. I mean, there was a life-threatening injury in order for Tom Brady to get on the field and take that job. Now, he did take the job. He did prove to be better than, than, than Drew Bledsoe and proved to be better for the Patriots than Bledsoe was. But right there, I mean, just that hit can just really sum up what Tom Brady's yeah. career has been like. Yeah. He has been, he's been kissed, drafted in the sixth round, gets in only because Drew Bledsoe is hurt, and it wasn't even his rookie season. I think that was Tom Brady's second year with the Patriots. And then he's just able to to build this career through a lot of really weird moments that have happened. I mean, and think yeah. about that 20... I mean, you talk about that, that 28-3 comeback. Not only did they win the coin toss, but Julian Edelman had to make one of the greatest catches in Super Bowl history in, in order... <laughs> Yep. for him to win, to win that game. Um, and you wonder, I mean, think about this. Think about, so we're, we're knocking him now. But think about this for a second. How is Tom Brady remembered if Eli Manning gets sacked or David Tyre or Rodney Harrison is yeah. able to knock the ball loose from David Tyree? For sure. And he has an undefeated season to go along with this resume. Nick Foles doesn't again, catch the ball. Yeah. yeah, I mean that that one I that one I don't give to him, and I don't give the second Giants loss to them so much. Like I like, I don't think there's any because uh, the Eagles were really good in the second half of that game, and the Giants always played them tough. But that one they lost, so they were undefeated. Just an incredible set of circumstances. But the Asante Samuel is not on Plaxico Burris, guarding yeah. him at that time. How are we remembering Tom Brady with an undefeated season now with his 10th Super Bowl appearance and the possibility to win seven? I mean, it's it's mind-blowing to think that, A, he's been to 10, B, could win 70%, 70% of the Super Bowls that he's been in. And honestly, in those Super Bowl runs, he, this is probably the best quarterback he's ever faced. Other than that, he's faced Jared Goff, 
Jake DeLone, Eli Manning, which would not be a Hall of Famer, wouldn't even remotely be in the Hall of Fame talk without those two Super Bowl wins. Kurt Warner, I mean, is Kurt Warner the other good Super Bowl guy? He's faced, he's faced Nick Foles. He yeah. lost to Nick Foles. I mean, probably the three best quarterbacks he's faced in Super Bowl history are going to be in order. Pat Mahomes, Kurt Warner, Matt Ryan. Russell Wilson. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Wilson. But Wilson also gave that. that game away with the with the interception. Yeah. So. Yeah. so maybe it's Mahomes, Wilson, Ward, or uh, Warner, and then Matt Ryan. But other than that, I mean, Donovan McNabb is a good quarterback, not a Hall of Famer, certainly right. not Jake Delo. And Jared Goff's a guy the Rams are already talking about getting rid of. Yeah. No, it's, you know, it's, he has it's a, true. I mean, and you, you, you mentioned the word knock. I don't think any of this is a knock. I, like I said, I don't think pointing this out has to make or diminish Tom Brady whatsoever, but I think it's just calling it like it is. Like, there have been... I think an insane amount of, of breaks that have gone their way for, for him to get to this point. And look, he's made a lot of things happen as well. So, you know, you don't even get to the point that some of these things broke the Patriots way if Tom Brady doesn't do special things. So like, I, I'm not trying to point out that any of this takes away from Tom Brady, but I think like when you start looking at how many things that weren't in Tom Brady's control went Tom Brady's way in order for him to have this resume, it's it's pretty shocking. I can't think I I can't think of another quarterback that has been as blessed as Brady has with with luck in the odd the odd circumstances. Maybe Terry Bradshaw. Um, and the biggest thing I can think on the on the Steelers side was just the immaculate reception, which shouldn't have been um, by by rule then. That play should have been dead. Franco Harris should have never been able to, to catch that ball and run it in, but it wasn't called. But that's the only weird moment I can think of that happened during that Steelers dynasty because other than that, you think about them dominating, just dominating. And and really, their only competition, I've, I've often said this, everybody talks about the Cowboys from the 70s. I always thought the Raiders from the 70s got slighted a little bit because they were probably the Steelers' closest competition, right? And unfortunately, they were in they were in the same they were in the same conference. But for at least for Bradshaw, he had to face Stabler, who's now in the Hall of Fame, to get there. He had to face guys like Greasy to to get into the, into the Super Bowl. Had to face Fran Tarkington in the Super Bowl. Roger Staubach a couple of times, Twice, yeah. in the Super Bowl. Um, Vince Ferragamo was really the only guy that, that he played that you just kind of go ho-hum about, but that, I mean, yeah. that Rams team still, was still pretty good. Um, Joe Montana had to beat John Elway, what, twice? To win a, yes. To win Super Bowls? Uh, who, who all did he beat? He beat Elway, he beat Ken Anderson, which... Didn't, he beat Ken Anderson once and Boomer Esiason once, right? Didn't they play the Bengals right. two different times? Yeah. Yes, they yes they did. Yeah, they did. It was so they played the Broncos twice in the big. Oh no no no! They played the Broncos the once, and then they played the Dolphins once. They got Marino when oh that's Marino's right. like and rookie beat, year or second year. Yeah, so so at least he beat Marino. Yeah, Ken Anderson is a guy that that coaching Pat Jones and I have argued is probably a borderline Hall of Fame guy MVP. or the guy. That, yeah, yeah, 
that then ought to get more consideration. People forget how good he is because he only went to one Super Bowl. It's not like Boomer Sison was a bad quarterback either. I think he was but also I an MVP, wasn't he? The, yeah, I would say that for the most part, yeah. Yeah, he was. And I would say for the most part, Montana and Bradshaw probably faced better competition than, than Brady did, at least quarterback head-to-head. Until now, Wilson, Mahomes, and who do we say, Kurt Warner? I mean, those are all three Hall of Famers, but the rest of them were just kind of guys. And when you beat Elway, when you beat Marina, when you beat Ken Anderson, when you beat Boomer Esiason, or you beat Roger Staubach twice and France Arkington once, I mean, come on. Yeah. Well, it's just crazy I mean, that, we didn't get, like, we never had, I mean, for the last decade, we just watched two of the greats in the NFC um, you know, Breeze and, and Rodgers get beat by Tom Brady. And throughout that entire run, we never had a, a Brady-Breeze Super Bowl. We never had a Brady-Rodgers Super Bowl. And I think for the last 10 years, those have been the the premier quarterbacks of the NFC. Yeah, and this is probably, somebody said it, if Brady wins this, this will be these three games will be the best run he ever had to win the playoffs, at least as far as quarterback competition goes. And that's, and that, that's hard to argue. I'm trying to think of some of the guys that he faced in the AFC. He's faced Rich Gannon. He faced, you know, Ben Roethlisberger. That's pretty good competition. Yeah, Peyton, um, Peyton a bunch of times, obviously. Yes, and, and that and and, and Manning got the best of him the last time they played. But overall, in the AFC East, they've also had a they've also had a pretty dog <laughs> yeah. a, a dog division to play against now granted if you know that how they got to that dog division this is where bill belichick deserves way more credit right. than, than people are giving him because it was through his trades uh starting really with the bledsoe trade and then some trades they made with the dolphins in order to get Wes welker um and they did. Some, they also made some deals with the Jets. Through those trades, he helped decimate those teams, just because they had bad front offices and were willing to deal with the Patriots. So, if you want to look at where Bill Belichick's legacy should be as a front office guy, isn't so much his drafts as much as it is his wheeling and dealing within the division to cripple the competition around him and leave it wide open for the Patriots to dominate. Yeah, and there's something that's got to be said, you know, said about that. I mean, that's so evil and maniacal that, really, honestly, every GM, he, Bill Belichick, ought to write a book for only GMs and give it to them. This is how you destroy your competition. Yeah, <laughs> no every doubt. GM no ought, doubt. ought to read it. Um, how to get six it, it wins built those, into your schedule every year? Every year, here it is. Do this. Make it make the deal seem a hell of a lot better than what it is, <laughs> and pray to God and pray to God they don't raise an eyebrow when you, when you pick up that phone, because yeah. that's that's where his genius really is. And from that, I mean, when he goes into the Hall of Fame, who, whoever gives his speech, those are the moments you should really talk about Bill Belichick. And yeah, you can talk about Spygate. You. Can, the plate gate or what? And that's the other thing. We didn't even mention the plate gate with Tom Brady. I mean, oh yeah, <laughs> he gets away with that. Yeah, that's oh, yeah. You're right. God. You're right. And he totally got away with it. Well, 
he didn't totally get away I mean, with the, it. He got um, suspended for four games. But today, I mean, today's the on. Baseball Hall of Fame announcements, and the PED guys are probably still uh, not getting in for their crimes against the game. No, but, but the NFL is going to be embraced. It's yeah. like Tom Brady destroyed his cell phone, which was a total admission of guilt. <laughs> I mean... Again, another on. lucky break, Aaron. Or Eric, this is this is what I'm talking about. Like again, I'm not I'm not disputing the greatness of Tom Brady. I'm just saying the guy has had an insane amount of lucky breaks in his career to get to this point. He's just I mean, you cannot talk about him the way you talk about Montana, Brady, Manning. I mean, Manning's got the thing where I mean, I guess it was the, the HGH thing which was able to get swept under the rug. And and look, but that, I, I don't hold any ill will for, over that. I mean, do HGH. My God, it's going to keep you on the field. Do anything. Do put any drug into your body that's going to keep you on the field longer. I'm all for that. I'm actually all for deflating the football if you can get a better grip on it, even if it's against the rules. Because you're, the whole thing you're trying to do is win. You're, you're trying to win. Look, drop the bag of money off at recruits. I don't care. You've got to keep your job. You've got to win. But when you talk about Brady, all these things have to come up. And it maybe it doesn't diminish his greatness, but you don't look at him in awe the way you look at some of the other ones. I mean, I can sit here and say that He's the greatest as far as film study, game planning, reading defenses, being able to make guys around him better, which, I mean, what does that even mean? That he's throwing shorter. He's got good arm strength. He's never been the strongest thrower, but he's been able to make throws. And he's had guys around him that can can certainly make plays. But, you know, you you can't look at him in in that same light. Those have to be brought up when you're talking about him. Does it make him not great? No, because he's still got to have athletic ability and the, and the intelligence to be able to play this game. And he still has to have, like you say, that confidence that makes people believe that, hey, it's fourth and five. There's a minute left in this game. We're on our own 30, but somehow he's going to get us down into field goal range at, at worst. Yeah. You still have to give off that air. Um, but the flake gate, spy gate, all that stuff, has to come up when when talking about him. And I think outside of New England, there's always going to be a little bit of darkness around him. Um, In that region, there's probably not another athlete outside of maybe Bill Russell and Ted Williams that will be ever as held in, in, in his high esteem as he is. And I don't even know if Ted Williams can be – I mean, I don't even know right now if Ted Williams is still held in that highest team compared to somebody like David Ortiz who actually right. you know, won multiple World Series. So, yeah. you know, I mean, you talk about the region of New England, he's number one, which is saying a lot for an area that's got a very rich, rich history in pro sports. I think anybody could surpass Bobby Orr. <laughs> no in, doubt. In Larry, in Larry, Larry Bird, Bird. In, in way of greatness in that, yeah. in that, in that region, it, it's somewhat astounding. But Brady's done it. Brady's done it. And just listening to uh, Sports Hub and WEEI over the last couple of days, it's been fun uh, hearing everybody bitch about Belichick. Um, it, it's 
you, you, you feel it. I mean, there is still a um, very emotional attachment in that region. And just to hear fans cry and moan and just lash out in anguish at the Patriots organization is great. It's fun. I love that stuff. Well, as a Patriots um, fan, you've got to love the fact that, that Belichick now is going to, I mean, he, he sees this. He's not going to let it stand. He's going to trade every future first-round pick that they own until the end of time to be better immediately, and they'll probably end up with Aaron Rodgers. They'll trade up and get Devontae Smith in the draft, and there you go. Bill Belichick will be right back in the mix. Uh, no, it's going to take a hell of a lot longer than that. What, what this kind of reminds me of is when Shaq went to Miami and won his title without Kobe, and that's what I think Bill is going through his Kobe phase right now, where he's going to struggle for a while, and he may get two on the back end of his career. But it's not going to be without a lot of heartache because you, they really don't have the capital to make those moves that you're talking about. Although I did like at 15, you tweeting out the other day, Zayvon Collins. I mean, if you're asking me if there's anybody I would want in the draft, he is kind of my guy. I love Zayvon Collins. And he's he's the perfect Patriot yeah, um, because he's so versatile and Bill can move him around. And he's that kind of hardworking guy that nobody knew about in college. And he's from a college that, nobody up in that region really knows about or pays attention to. So it's the perfect draft. No doubt. Tulsa, what is this? Are they drafting this kid out of Tulsa? Well, that kid from Tulsa might actually be the best guy in this draft, not named Trevor Lawrence. And I don't say that lightly. I don't say that with any hyperbole. If you did not watch Zayvon Collins play this year and did not realize that he's a guy that you could put as an outside linebacker, a defensive end, an inside linebacker, um, and he's just, his definition is football player, not athlete, although he is that football player, then you missed a hell of a show. And you should have played Yeah, I mean, you missed a hell of a show watching that team, period, this year. They won games. I'm still scratching my head over how they won some of their games, but he, I, I really honestly feel like I don't know. I, if I was a GM of the Jets, I'm, I, I might tell Woody to kiss my kiss my ass. This is the guy we're taking it to. You're just going to have to trust me on this. I know he's not a quarterback. Let's try and work it out with Darnold. You just have to trust me on this one. That by the time this kid's career ends, he is going to go down as one of the greatest players to have ever been in our organization. You just got to trust me on that. But I doubt. Many GMs have the guts to do that because it is a risk, and it's one of those that doesn't pan out immediately in the next year, you end up losing your job. And then the guy that comes in after that gets to reap the benefits yeah, for sure. <laughs> in the coming years. That's football. I'm glad you mentioned Kobe because as, as we get out of here, uh, it's the one-year anniversary of Kobe's death. Uh, it's it's one of those moments, honestly, that you know uh, you, you always like have these moments in your life that you'll never forget where you were when you heard certain news. And same with the Kobe thing. Like I just I, I remember a year ago and just you know like feeling numb and in complete disbelief that it was real. Yeah, I remember it was my youngest son who came in and told me. I can't remember what I was watching that day. Was it the was it the NFL playoffs? It was something football-oriented. So, yeah. It was something, yeah, I was watching football that day. And my youngest son came in and says, it's a bad day for the NBA. And I forgot what else had happened. He said something, and Kobe died. I'm like, what? 
It's like, yeah, oh, it was so the Pro Bowl. And, and, it was the Pro Bowl. Yes, that's what it was. Yeah. And my and my son said Kobe Diet Kobe Bryant died in a helicopter crash. I'm like, what are you talking about? Where did you see that? Well, it's on social media. Okay, well, you know, you can't believe social media. So I start looking on social media. I start going to to CNN or NBA TV, just wherever. And when it hit you, there was a numbness that, that came over it because it's still, it's like, Kobe? Yeah. Kobe. How, how does he die? And I, one of my friends said, we were talking about it. We, you know, like if anybody was going to survive that and walk out of a helicopter crash, it was going to be Kobe Bryant. And he was going to be holding his daughter. And because you had seen him do so many amazing things on the court, it was hard to wrap your mind around that anything, anything could take his life. There wasn't any, I mean, it's hard to wrap your mind around. There wasn't anything he couldn't beat, even death. And it's still, to me, it doesn't feel real. And it probably won't for a few years because there is, you've got the archives of his, his play. There are archived interviews. You can still hear his voice. You can still see his face. He is forever young, forever that good-looking guy with that with that cocky smile. That you know when he when he walked into to a room that just commanded its presence. Like all that is still there. I mean, even with the murals and the jersey hanging up and the reminders that he's gone, he's not gone which is the weird thing about famous people now. We've got so many different ways to to archive all their little moments. They never really have to die. It's weird. It's almost like they're not even real people in some respect. And just to gloss myself a little bit, I will ever be, for great, be grateful for the last time he played in Oklahoma City to get the last question of his press conference. I just wish I asked a better question that, other than what did it mean to do it as a Laker? My co-host, <laughs> my former co-host, Anthony Fogel, came up with a better question, which was the Lakers were, were awful that year. Ask Kobe if he would have traded one last year with the Lakers for an opportunity to play with somebody like the Spurs and go for a championship. That was a much better question. I'm like, why the hell did you say that? When he was in town, I could have used <laughs> Oh, yeah. I mean, look, the, you, everything you said is right. I think if you ever were in a, a room with the guy and, and, you know, obviously covering the thunder for both of us and having those opportunities when the Lakers were in town, like there was a, you know, when he walked into a room, like you felt the presence and you felt a larger than life aura about him and, and a bulletproof type aura around him for sure. Yeah, and it was when that team is in town. When that team is in town, there there certainly is a, a an aura about them. They're very Yankee like because I mean, Laker fans are, are all over the world, and they come out in droves. They drive from places like Kansas and Dallas, and you know, surrounding states where maybe not so much Dallas, but you know, surrounding states, Missouri, where you don't really get to see them. And Oklahoma City's close. And it's really cool to see kids, kids who are Laker fans or their fathers who are Laker fans who don't get to go watch them play in Staples Center or the Forum before to get to be close to those guys. And when it was Kobe, man, it just, 
that last time he was there. And I remember walking out of walking down the hall onto the arena floor, onto the peak floor, um, which would have been, I think would have been on the east side of the floor coming out of the right, right hall, trying to see where it is. And just everybody was towering over you in those stands, holding up signs, wearing jerseys, just waiting for a chance to see him. And just look up and look at all the signs and all the people with Sharpies wanting to some sort of autograph. And it's like, Oh wow, this is special. Yeah, This does not happen at, at, at any other game, not to this magnitude. And just the love and the people wearing lower Marion jerseys and the people wearing the eight and the 24 jerseys. I mean, it was just, Oh, that was one of those moments that still get chills when I think about it. And he only played one quarter that game. But just the fact that he was on the floor, and I remember Kevin Durant and Russell Westbrook both tapping him up before yeah. he, he went to the bench. But you know, that was a spe- that was a special moment. And one, the fact that he was even retiring was sort of weird. It's like, man, this dude he still looks like he can play. Why 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 is he retiring? Yeah. And then he goes for sixty like the next night and, and that was it. Yeah. Mamba out. Crazy. <laughs> All right, my friend. I, I know you gotta run. Uh I appreciate you as always, and we will catch up next Tuesday. Thank you, Kobe. Thanks to Eric G for joining me this week as he does every Tuesday on the Colby Daniels Podcast, presented by Artisan Botanicals in Midwest City. Check out their line of natural medicine products, including Kratom, CBD, and the new Delta 8 capsules. Uh, when you visit the website, abotanicalcompany.com, use the discount code ColbyShow, C-O-L-B-Y-S-H-O-W, discount code ColbyShow to save 15% off your online order. And if you have any questions about Kratom or CBD or Delta 8, give them a call, 405-458-9699. They are all about helping people and they are all about helping people live a better life. So uh, don't be afraid to ask questions and certainly visit the website for 15% off your online order, abotanicalcompany.com. Everybody have a great day, stay safe, and I will talk to you tomorrow. Podcast is over.